you might say, hey, why you people don't like to eat steamboat, right? I mean, you that, people. right? Oh. Exactly. Does racial harmony really exist in Singapore? This is your daily catch up. Hello everybody, this episode is done in collaboration with Forward Singapore. Singapore prides itself for being a diverse and multiracial country. But do we really accept our differences or is it just brilliant marketing? Oh, oh, oh. So you may have noticed a different man on my right. He wears many hats though he isn't wearing one now. Dr. Jadel! Hey. He's the Senior Minister of State for Welcome. Communications and Information, Senior Minister of State for Health, and the Party Whip of the People's Action Party. Welcome to the show! Hi, thank you for having me. Ooh. I'm kind of worried what I got myself into. <laughs> it's just the beginning. Yeah, don't worry. How about we start with an easy one? So what would you say is the difference between Senior Minister of State and Minister for Education, for example. Ministers are the boss. The senior Minister of State are the junior political officers. Which is but so counterintuitive. Yeah. yeah, and then there's the Minister of State, which is a little bit more junior. So the other way of thinking about the difference is how much hair you have. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> oh no, so, <laughs> so, what? so now it's senior minister level, is it? <laughs> 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 So among your many portfolios right now, you are also the party whip of the PAP. What is a party whip? <laughs> <laughs> well, the party whip um, is responsible for a few things. And one is maintaining internal party discipline about the, the, the comms and the processes, making sure the various members of the party know what needs to be done. So the way I think about this is like an administrative role and there basically I've got to manage uh, a lot of uh, emails, WhatsApps and uh, Excel spreadsheet. Uh, and then there's a sort of disciplinary role uh, where uh, I have to call people up now. And wow. speak to them. <laughs> yeah. Discipline master. Yeah. Which perhaps I don't want to say so much about. <laughs> <laughs> so Dr. Janu has very kindly given us some time to help us talk about Singapore's current social fabric, right? Because we've been hearing a lot of cases of like racism and all that. And he's here to help us talk about how we can become more united. <laughs> like Manchester. Okay. Uh. So uh, there's been a few like cases of racism that have been gained quite a bit of traction over like the past year and all and I think one of the biggest one is the ex Nian polytechnic lecturer who Oof. just got sentenced That's and big. he actually got jail time so five weeks jail time and a fine of $6,000 so if you don't recall what happened was that he stopped a interracial couple on the streets and basically like, started scolding the guy and saying that you shouldn't date Chinese women and you're stealing our ladies and all that. La. I mean, honestly, for myself, I'm a bit surprised that he got jail time. For me, la, it's the first time that I'm hearing that racism has consequences. <laughs> no, but it's legal true. Consequences, like, legal consequences, right. Yeah, are you surprised? I'm glad that there are being steps taken to kind of deter uh, hateful... Discriminatory, discriminatory. Wow, virtually uh, twice. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, acts like these, lah. You know, like, mm. yeah. That's how I believe we should be going forward in order to stop things like this from happening again. Like, I think if you say anything that that might hurt like a particular group of people, like whether it's race or religion, um, there are laws against that. So I, I think initially I was like, oh wow like jail time, but then I remembered that there was all these in place. One way to look at it is that if you look around the world, when we talk about racism in other parts of the world, there's violence, you know, it's actually, it's, it's not just people saying things right. and doing things. I mean, you know, people get the knives out or in some cities, the guns out. There are parts of the city you just don't go if you look a certain way or your skin is a certain color, right? So you, you can look that way and say, well, you know, we're 
one of the most diverse cities in the world. I think religiously we're the most diverse city in the world, right? And we could be experiencing a level of friction and hurt and racist and uh, you know bigotry against each other like many other cities in the world. And we're not. But what mm. we're dealing with is people's behavior, people's words, people's perceptions. So that's the kind of glass half full view, right? <laughs> then the glass half empty is like, what? You still have racism in Singapore today? What happened? Right. Um, and it's something that we have to keep working at, right? It's not that we solved it by saying that we want to be a multiracial society. It's not that we solved it by saying we have these laws which can prosecute, but it's an ongoing process of changing our behavior day by day, step by step. I tend to be on the glass half full okay. right be, be thankful and, and, and grateful for the the, the peace that we have mm. but at the same time I, I think you've got to recognize that we achieved it through hard work so then if it's like well cruise control from now on eh, sorry it doesn't work like that right we, we got to keep working at it we've got to improve on it and so then recognizing when it goes wrong like these incidents that you just talked about I think is really important right. and in a way the visibility that you, you sort of, you know, like, is, is it more or is it just that we're seeing more on social media? Mm. Well, my sense is I think it's just that social media has allowed us to have more visibility and have more people talk about a given incident, right? The downside is, yeah, sure, you have the trolls and the people say, yeah, they, she deserved it or, you know, you know not, not for me, not, you know, uh, polarized kind of views. But I think the upside is it can draw in wider groups of people who maybe stay quiet or maybe pretend this kind of thing doesn't happen. Mm. Uh, so the the law, whether someone gets fined or, or goes to jail, well, that's about that person and yeah. that act, right? The hurt and the harm that was done. But the benefit to society is more about the conversation. So yeah. I'm really glad that you know we can have this kind of conversation and mm. talk about mm. these types of issues and, and draw people into it. Yeah, I agree. Because I think like if you take a look at the, the interracial couple incident, right? I remember, um, I think I had a couple of friends who said that when the news came out for that, they felt like obviously it was wrong, like what the Nian Poly um, or the ex-lecturer did. But then their parents thought that it was fine. Oh. And at least they started to have that conversation with their parents about why actually that's not fine. Because some of their parents might have the same view of like, no lah, like, like Chinese marry Chinese, like that, that race marry like another race or whatever. So like, it was a spark for them to have that conversation with their parents. Yeah, no, that's really important because when we look at racism and, and bigotry in general, right? There are people who are taking really extreme views and frankly are putting out hate speech and trying to drive fear between groups. Yeah. But actually, most of the time, it's just ignorance and anxiety and uncertainty. But do you not think that, like, in a sense, racial harmony in Singapore is very superficial? Like, a lot of people frame it as racial tolerance, but we don't actually have racial harmony. I think a lot of us actually don't really understand each other's culture. And then there's also a lot of, like, racist undertones, like, when it comes to certain stereotypes and such. The fact that you even ask the question suggests mm. that we, in Singapore, as Singaporeans, we want a better racial harmony. Mm. Right? I mean, seriously, if you, if you didn't care, if you thought everything was fine, you wouldn't even ask the question. Right? right? But people do. And, and, and largely, people say, well, what's our racial harmony like? What should, do we want it to be? Where are we going to go in the future? So, at the very least, we care. La. We, we, <laughs> right? We care. I think we've come a long way. I don't think our racial harmony is just tolerance. I think you need tolerance. Uh, before you can then talk about the harmony and the peace. And then we have a sense of wanting more. That means all of us can see that this is important to us as Singapore and as Singaporeans. Mm. So even if we don't have that deep-seated um, 
love and harmony between everybody yeah. and maybe it takes us a long time to get there <laughs> at least we know we want it I think that's a big thing I think like to echo what Dr. Janu has shared, right? There was also a like CNA IPS study that was done to kind of investigate like the growing number of people that are thinking of racism and trying to solve that in a sense. It is true. So like more than half of the survey's respondents, which is 56.2%, felt that racism is an important problem, which was an increase from the previous survey back in 2016. So it's like about, uh, it's a 10 percentage point increase. I remember this quote that I heard, right? From my grandparent that like, they say, no, I'm not racist. I don't think that... I don't think that they are they are bad, but, I, but I just think Chinese better. Then I say, wait, this is like the exact definition of racism. And then after that, I'm very shook and then I don't know how to explain it better. And I've had times where I'm taking MRT like with my grandparents and all that, right? And then there is a, say for example, like an Indian person that comes on and then she will genuinely, right? She will pinch her nose. Like seeing that as a child, right? It taught me the wrong things. And then it was only later on in life that I have to like go back and like unlearn that and like relearn what is what it's really like to yeah, be racially harmonious in a But sense. why? Why do you do this? Why do, do you care? Why do I care? Yeah, why, why do you why say I you... go back and I want to learn about how to be racially harmonious? After all, after telling us all about how yeah. you never had to do it before, yeah. you never had this experience, then you grow up and you say, but that's what I want. Wow, great question. So, <laughs> I think as with a lot of things, like it opened my mind up when I started having friends of different races. And then I realised that, oh, I know nothing about their background. Yeah, then I think like that prop that made me feel a bit like like I don't want to be ignorant when I talk to them or when that I when say they confide in me about certain things, right? And then I'm unable to help them or like to provide like even a good listening ear because I genuinely don't understand yeah. what they're going through. I don't have that level of empathy and I cannot have that compassion for them. Yeah, so the TLDR version is you want to be a better person. Better friend, yeah, so it's personal, and that, that's what I think is the issue. We can have these laws, right? Mm. And whether you find people or send them to jail or or give them warnings or whatever, actually, what it comes down to is that personal drive mm. like, do you want to be that kind of person? And then, do we want to be that kind of people, right? It's personal, it's not yeah. all about the laws. I think my experience in my life, right, how I see it in Singapore is that it's a bit more on the level of micro aggressions throughout your life you go to school and there are examples like parents already making remarks when you're young you kind of take that in you go to school people make maybe a racially insensitive joke and that's and in a vacuum I think these microaggressions are tough to correct it's because you you don't want to be seen as someone who like can't take a joke yeah can't take yeah. a joke so right. if you try to correct that it's a bit harder rather than if you go and stab someone that's obviously wrong so I think we've kind of seen a lot of these microaggressions and it's kind of become normalised and from there I think it creates kind of a slippery slope and what we're seeing is that it, for the outliers it ends up into situations like we talked about yeah I'm, but I'm not sure it's normalised you know because mm. people do notice them and it's and okay, you know, sometimes you you get away with it, sometimes you don't, sometimes people call it out, sometimes people don't. Mm. But I don't think it's normalized to the point where people completely ignore it. I think if you if you ask people, it's like, did you notice that he used that word or he talked in that way? Actually, most people would would say yes. The conversation then is often, well, why didn't you do something about it, right? Yeah. And it's mm, like, well, bystander yeah, effect, right? is it? bystander yeah. effect, and maybe I thought this wasn't worth it. 
But I'm not sure it's normalized to the point that we think it's it's completely like just okay. Actually, I think it's going in the other direction. If you look at the difference between the 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 older generation, we are identifying more and more things as not being so acceptable. The question is whether we're doing something about it or not, right? No society has solved this problem of, of yeah country mm. completely, yeah. right? <laughs> and it's not just about race. Like like today in 2023, like uh, do people still make sexist jokes? I mean, they do, right? And it, but the line <laughs> of what's acceptable and not acceptable has shifted. And and you were about to say you were about to tell me a sexist joke. No, I wasn't. Yeah. Like, oh, you were I think you joke. were. I think you were. You were, you were like, <laughs> what do you call? No. <laughs> 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 I'm not. I wasn't going to tell a sexist joke. All right, everybody. This is the time for you to like, share, and subscribe. And you can comment down below. Tell us what do you think is the one thing that defines Singapore's national identity. Ooh. Back to the episode. But but that's what I mean, right? So it's not just about race. It's about yeah. all these types of things. And in all of these types of social divisions mm. where there's the possibility for, for bigotry, for hate, for pulling our society apart, what's our approach? You have to have the laws. I mean, you've got to have the laws that punish the hate speech. You've got to have the boundaries. But those are really um, the extremes, right? But you've got to have pe- people have the confidence that when things really go wrong, you have the laws. Yeah. Mm. Then you've got to have discussions discourse, conversations, engagement, so that you have that understanding, that respect, that kind of idea of this is the way we do things here in Singapore, mm. right? I mean, you've got to have that sense. And then, you know, thirdly, you've got to have a, a, a kind of shared commitment. This is where we want to go. Mm. This is where we want to progress to. Multiracial harmony means something to us uh, in common with each other. And you, I think you, you need all three. It's not either or. And it applies to all kinds of hate and bigotry. But for us, well, racism is is, is top of mind. What I find funny sometimes is that like... because No! Why? Nearly set me to a trap. Is that sometimes we, we actually feel like we're going full circle because there's now narratives or so where people feel like we're getting too woke and right. that two things are a little bit snowflakey. Yeah. Snowflakey, yeah. Well, I would say, you know, could you be too woke? I mean, the answer is, of course, you couldn't be too anything, right? But how do you decide? And I would say the thing that we've had in our mind, especially around race, is this idea of common space. And we must remember that it is common space, not I fight for my space. So if you are engaging on any of these social divisions, but what it is you're asking for ends up reducing that common space, right? Actually, I think that's where maybe we're going a little bit too far. That's an interesting way to look at right? it. Okay. So if whatever it is you're doing enlarges the common space for everybody, for all races, for all people of Singapore, then probably it's not too woke. It's probably going in the right direction. Mm. But if what you do ends up saying, well, okay, in order to get my win, somebody else loses, yeah. maybe you run the risk of polarizing, right. worsening the division. Yeah. So that's the kind of test that I, I use in my head. Yeah, because I do feel like I think sometimes maybe the approach that if, if someone feels like something wrong was said, whether it's racist, sexist or like anything that's bigotry or, or discriminatory, uh, a lot of people's immediate reaction is combative rather than engagement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and I think that's where then the natural reaction for the other person is to be defensive as opposed to communicative. So to build on Dan's point and something that you mentioned previously yeah. is about that personal engagements that you have with people, right? It feels to me like it's so difficult to navigate because everybody's like so-called boundaries are different. So maybe to a friend, right, they actually completely don't mind like slightly uh, like more stereotypical jokes, for example. They would laugh at it or they might even make the jokes themselves. Mm. You know, so then like, but then at the same time to me, 
when I say certain things, for example, and then the person laughs at it, and then in my mind is reinforced that, oh, actually, like, this is okay to say, but then to someone else, they might get very offended by it, and then it's tough for me to, like, find that balance and all that, and I'm, I think, like, at the root of it, what I'm trying to ask is, like, how do I have racial conversations, right? Well, it takes two hands to clap, you know? I mean, because you might, you might be interested and curious, but then you ask the question and then the person answering may choose to be offended, right? Right. right? So you might you might say, hey, why you people don't like to eat steamboat? Right? I mean, you then, people. Right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Then do I go and get offended at the, well, what do you mean you people? You people means, well, or do I then sort of, you know, well, okay, let me try and explain to you how we actually do don't don't mind eating steamboat or whatever you know right. um and then use that as a way of explaining gently broadly that there is no you people i can choose to be offended and i can i can make the conversation all about the how dare you offend me mm. i mean i think sometimes there's a role for that if it's egregious and maybe you set out to offend me then why should i why shouldn't i call it out why right. shouldn't i but maybe you didn't mean to offend me and you just made a friendly comment and you didn't quite understand it's offensive okay so i could calibrate my response right mm -hmm. two hands to clap but this one very easy for me to say I, I write an SOP I get the civil service to draft it out it's all there <laughs> right um, how do you actually make this happen I'm, I'm very heartened the last few years you've had quite a lot of these um, ground up initiatives student groups youth groups some of them we interact with at onepeople.sg which I chair the NGO looking at racial harmony mm. and a lot of it is actually about how do you get this conversation started and the reality is that once you get it going and people have some common ground and some friendship, well, natural human curiosity and, and we hope interest takes over. But getting past that barrier, start with a mindset that I want to be forgiving maybe, that I want to be engaging mm -hmm. and then and then get it, get it going. I, I, I think that's the way that I think about it. C could it be argued that the, the, the people that need to be engaged yeah. are mm. not necessarily the most interested to be part like participating in these dialogues? Well, of, of course, the same is true for, for anything. Whether okay. you talk about you know biodiversity, climate change, uh, our economic policy, the people who who perhaps need to, to sort of be convinced may already be doing their own thing or in their own little bubble maybe. Uh, you want to engage people, but you've got to start somewhere, mm. right? So, well, nothing wrong with starting with the people who are enthusiastic. Uh, maybe if they then become advocates, if they become um, engaged on the matter, they can take it to their friends and family. The statistics that you quoted, right? It, it suggests we're making progress. Mm. So it depends on whether you want to make progress like, oh, hey, uh, this academic year, I've got to settle all the problems, you know, from start to finish. <laughs> or do you say, well, maybe this is over a generation. Right. You know, it's going to take a couple of decades. So it depends on your lens. Um, yeah. I think the kind of stats that you quoted suggest that we're moving in the right direction uh, slower than anybody would 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 want but maybe well maybe at least we're moving you mentioned like the one people sg and starting conversations about race i think like a project that you've taken on in recent years was the regardless of race series by cna what made you want to take on that project and then like maybe what were some of like the memorable takeaways for you i do feel quite strongly about our multiracial model here in singapore i think we have something special um, I think we we perhaps don't celebrate our successes so much. Uh, and we also have to recognize that there is continuing work to be done. So anyway, that's the TLDR version of a speech that I made in Parliament. <laughs> uh, so then uh, one of the producers from CNA kind of uh, called me up and she had an idea about a show that she wanted to make. Wasn't sure that she could get away with it and said, you know, put your money where your mouth is uh, uh, and, and help me make the show. And, uh, she really wait for the timing. After yeah. After you say that, she, <laughs> <But> <laughs> got yeah, him. she literally called me up like yeah. the day after I made the speech and said, I saw this speech and, you know, mm. 
This one, yeah. uh, you know, no action talk only, is it? Or hey. I was quite intrigued by this because I did want to show that we could take the conversations that were happening in the coffee shops, that were happening between people, and put it on a big screen and say to a wider audience, it's okay to talk about this mm. in this way and maybe try to spark that process. The second reason I was quite intrigued by this was that I thought we didn't have a lot of local material that young children or school kids or school teachers could use. You want to talk about these things and you want to download from YouTube. At that time, 2015 or 2016, I think it was the first episode came out, a lot of the material was, well, you'd only find stuff from you know US, UK, Europe, and there was very little locally contextual material about right. this type of multiracial harmony. When we did the first show, it was really difficult to get interviewees. So whoever helped us make the first show, thank you very much. <laughs> you, know, you really got us started. By the time we made like the third show, it was like no problem at all. It's like, you know, we we're calling up. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm, I want to be interviewed. Yeah. I want to be, you know. Yeah. So what was great was I think we, we did change things. At, mm. at the very least, we changed the willingness of people to come on our national TV and talk about these difficult issues. And then in parallel, now the, the student groups that I talked about, all these young mm -hmm. people, they are going off and doing things. And now when I go and watch the first show that I made, it's like, uh, this one, not so exciting anymore. <laughs> right? when oh, we first, know how that feels. <laughs> yeah, we know completely how that feels. <laughs> you know, it felt really like, wow, refreshing and cutting edge at the time. Yeah. You look back, wow, it's only been five years, man, or I don't know, six years now. Um, but there's a consequence of progress that that, that, that I think so yeah. I think I mean I don't want to take full credit for it but you know hey I don't mind uh, <laughs> but I mean a lot of people involved in the efforts that we've had in our society over the last five years yeah. and I think we have made some progress I remember it was a thought of town when, when it came out like everyone was talking about the series because it was just it, it felt obvious but it felt groundbreaking at the same time because I think with a lot of issues not just this but especially with race it always feels like it's not a problem because we sweep it under the rug and actually talking about it in that way really opened up the doors for more people. I remember having conversations with my friends and my friends, uh, my group of friends are multiracial to actually have that conversation about race and, and, and what plights um, they, they might be facing. I think something that I've always thought about because like this is not the first time like the podcast is talking about like race and religion issues mm. but then actually we've gotten comments from people that Hey, how come it's like four Chinese people talk about race, that kind? So it's, this is actually the first time we have like a non-Chinese guest on to help us talk about this issue. And I always wonder that like, if we are going to be so, oh, okay, I don't want to call them sensitive, but like if there are going to be so many rules around talking about racism, right? And then like Dan mentioned also, the people that actually need to be talking about racism are therefore avoiding it or not sure how to talk about it. So then how do we go about tackling that? Well, I think if you take the view that you have to have full representation of everybody uh, every mm. time that you want to talk about race, then the Sorina today ain't it because I cannot speak on behalf of every non-Chinese in Singapore. This would be right? like the F1 track, the blessing. Uh, it's not, it's like, not possible. <laughs> yeah. Right? But on the other hand, if you every time you talk about race, you only have people of one race, you're also not getting much yeah. of the other views and ideas out. Yeah. So you need a balance. I think... You, you, you need to have a little bit of openness to the idea that, well, uh, everybody will have a view mm. and what you want is for everybody to try to get in each other's shoes yeah. and, to, and to think about, well, how does this affect other people? I think don't want to go down the route to say only Indian people can talk about the issues of racism to do with Indian people. Mm. I mean, you know, you, you have a perspective as not being Indian. I have a perspective being Indian. But actually, we need to understand both perspectives and we need to bring that together. But you also don't want to go down the route to say, well, 
then every Indian person speaks on behalf of the entire race. Uh, that's not, I think, very useful and I don't think it's going to be very productive. And I think if you've had episodes on race, I would say, well, well done. At least you, you've had the chance to get on with oh it. No. You know? hey. Validation. You know, like, good, good. You started, you know. If the panel was all Chinese the first time you did it, well, maybe next time you consider inviting someone else <laughs> yeah, along. Yeah, yeah. And, and then you take it forward, you know. Like, let's see, let's see the benefit of getting going on this journey. I think at the end of the day, like, like you mentioned, it's that we all are kind of about self-improvement. We yeah. always, we're kind of looking towards like that. And, and I think if that's where we're moving towards, towards moving the needle, hopefully, then I think that's a good step. Yeah. And I think something else that maybe would contribute to helping us start these conversations or how to approach these conversations would be a race and religion toolkit that you've recently launched. Can you Ooh. tell me a bit about that? So these toolkits, I think it's the one that uh, NYC got involved in, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's like cards, it's like That's right, it's, it's like a little game, it's a board game. It's a way for people to kind of curate the experience, right? So, okay, you know, you say we want to have these conversations, you want to make it fun, but uh, you, you want a way for people to sort of have a common set of well, rules mm. or boundaries or processes, uh, which is kind of what you do with the, in a board game, right? You, you, <laughs> kind of, you kind of agree, okay, these are the rules. It's a much more gentle way. And having that kind of the cards and the form factor, it, it kind of, it softens the whole thing. It doesn't feel, right. it doesn't feel like, a, okay, let's negotiate this. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah. it's like, yeah, we're having a game, we're sitting yeah, around like, the At one point, do I ask my friend, hey, have you experienced racism? <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and then it, it also kind of like makes some of the awkwardness, not yeah. me and you, but hey, the card says it, you know, it's not that I, you know, I was uh, like, yeah, I, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You know it's, not like I, it's not yeah. that I got no social skills, you know, I'm just reading out <laughs> what's on the card, you know? So it, it kind of breaks the conversation up and it breaks the barriers down. Mm -hmm. It allows some of the best lessons learned, right? Because when when we when, when that was put together, it's not like we're starting from ground zero, right? And so the various people that were involved had quite a lot of experience in 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 having these conversations curated. Uh, you have people who are very experienced facilitators. Mm -hmm. How do you then multiply all of that institutional knowledge, all of that experience? And so they've kind of crystallized it into these cards. I think it was Hash Peace, if I, if I remember rightly, that was one of the partners that did this. And they've been organizing quite a lot of these conversations. You know, you go to a party or you, you have a friend who always brings together and then gets the conversation started. Yeah. And then when people are getting a little bit touchy, a little bit kind of like irritated, they're like, hey, let's change the subject a little bit and cool things down and move things along, right? Yeah. How do you take that social skill and then deliver it out to a wider and wider audience. That's what this kind of toolkit is, is okay. hoping to achieve. And I feel like you're that person in your social friend group. <laughs> <laughs> Life of the party. Yeah. 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 Well. Facilitator. <laughs> and I think that at the same time, it also kind of takes the burden away from like say minority races, right? For constantly feeling like they have to explain themselves or, or like, how to say, because whose responsibility is it? Right for me to get rid of certain biases or to help me get rid of certain biases? Yes and no, except I'm going to I'm gonna just push back a little bit because mm. it's not like people who are in the minority cannot also be racist. Oh, reverse. Oh, let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of also don't like the idea of reverse racism. Mm. It's as if it's like there's racism and then there's the opposite of racism. Mm. No, it's just racism. Minority races can do the whole you people thing as well, right? I right. mean, it's so, it's just racism. And so I think this whole idea of whose responsibility it is um, is it a majority-minority thing? It, it's not. If we have a vision... Uh, not that I'm going to break out into a National Day song. Huh? Uh, if we have a, a vision <laughs> well, of tomorrow... <laughs> if we have a vision of what tomorrow is like for Singapore, mm -hmm. it's something we've all got to participate in. 
And I think for us to then be polarized about whose responsibility it is, mm. I'm not sure it, it's very helpful. So yes, you're right. The toolkit is also part of that. Mm-hmm. But I, I would really wish we get past that that idea of that there is someone who's responsible and then someone who who isn't. We're all in this. So like in your role and like your experience as like a minister, member of parliament and all that, right? How have you seen like this issue of race and religion evolve like over the years? I think the fundamentals haven't changed. If you ask how do we think about the core issues within government uh, from a policy perspective, various portfolios that I've held, I don't think that's changed very much. Mm. You know, the imperative that we have to broaden the common space, uh, engage people, make sure that this is a whole series of community efforts and people are brought along on the journey. Um, I don't think the fundamentals of that have changed. The way in which we have to deal with things has changed because one, the impact of social media and the engagement online, but also two, the willingness of people to talk about some issues, right? So previously, if people were not even talking, then yeah. what it is we had to do was maybe just at the fringes, get mm. people comfortable, get people... But you know, if people are already full on having the, the conversation on YouTube, having podcasts about this, well then our role is perhaps to take things to the next level, mm. uh, get things going, translate the talk into action, maybe get v- very granular about some of the issues. Mm. So the fundamentals haven't changed, but maybe yeah. the way in which we engage and execute um, ha- has evolved over time. So like, I think like it's quite interesting that you mentioned that because we did a previous episode with NYC about civic conversations, right? And what people... There was a survey that I found for that episode that talked about how people actually wanted preferred the government to be the ones to start such conversations because they felt like it took the sensitivity or like the aggression out of it I, I think it's a very natural response you, mm. you want you want someone else to sort of take responsibility for getting it going <laughs> even though you want oh, to participate true. right <laughs> yeah. uh, but then once it gets going actually we hope that people will participate and, right. and give us their views and that's very much what this forward SG exercise is all about mm. you know it's not that government doesn't have a role government does to say well these are the priorities these are the challenges these are the difficulties right. but and, and also these are some of the things we're already doing and some of the things that we're considering what to do next but then you want to open up the space and say well okay how then are you you us all Singaporeans <laughs> uh, non-governmental organizations societies how are you going to get involved at, in, in terms of, well, developing those ideas, delivering on those ideas. So that that tension between get, you get it started and then I'll come in, right? Yeah. You know, it's like nobody wants to be the first person to arrive at the party, right? You know, <laughs> you want to arrive and it's already lively and it's already, right? well, okay, yeah. So I'm maybe. really interested to see what you're lying about. The, <laughs> like, all the different anecdotes. I think that's not something we need the cameras around <laughs> for. <laughs> With so many different ministries or portfolios, it's very easy to kind of like, measure that success metric because with health it could be mortality rate or like how long is everyone living average lifespan but when it comes to like racism what are the metrics that you guys are looking at? Well I think there's a variety of things you can look at for example crimes that are reported uh, you know uh, police reports um, but that's at one level of extreme yeah um, right at the other level is this kind of like underlying microaggressions what happens in conversations you can't measure that right? yeah. I mean how yeah. how um, so somewhere in between is attitudes. And if you look at the surveys that we've been doing, 
we, we ask people, you know, how would you feel if you had a boss of a different race or a, okay. or, or a mm. co-worker of a different race? Uh, would you would you be prepared to marry someone of a different race? Would you be prepared to have your son-in-law be of a different race? So we, 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 we ask these questions. And you might think that, well, asking these kinds of questions, you know, how honest will people be, right? But, but <laughs> it's true, yeah. <laughs> They're shocked by the results. You know? Uh, <laughs> But actually, peop- I think people are surprisingly honest, partly because it's anonymous, mm. right? Okay. So you got, mm. I got no, I got no uh, uh, blowback to be completely frank about these things. Yeah, they also then compare and say, you know, what did you say about this race? How does that depend on your race? So it's, it's as I say, it's it's not very simplistic. It's yeah. actually quite detailed. Um, and, and quite rich in its complexity. But much more important is that they do the same thing over time. So even if maybe a survey is not a, not perfect, when you start to see a trend over five years, over 10 years, you have some confidence that, okay, this is the direction that society is going in. So, so there are ways to measure it. And then there are outcomes. You, know, you, you look and see, well, let's look at the workforce in a given sector. Uh, is it becoming more diverse? Like a lot of Singapore's issues, right? Like the, the root of it is that we don't have a national identity. So then there's nothing really for Singaporeans to kind of like bond around, right? Maybe other than food. There's that lack of something that grounds all of us. You know, like people are thinking like, oh, I want to get out like the other places that are more culturally rich and all that. And then that leads to a lot of our problems in Singapore. I disagree that we don't have a national identity. Ooh, but yeah. how are you? Okay, so if you go on holiday, I mean, I, I've, are you one of these people that have engaged in revenge travel since the Barry? No, no, no. <laughs> they went to Bali. Yeah, I went to Spain. Okay, but... do you do you play the spot the Singaporean game? Uh, sometimes, right? Sometimes, you do, yeah. you do. Oh, like, you hear on. the lie. You haven't named do, it, but yeah. You yeah. do, and it's yeah, not yeah. just you hear the lie. You look at them, you say, "Hey, that's what I bet is Singaporean." And yeah, then you yeah, get yeah. close, <laughs> and then you want to like provoke them to say something because as soon as they speak, you know if they're Singaporean yeah. or not, right? Now, how can you do that if we don't have a national identity? But right. it always feels like the identifying factors are so negative. It's no, like Singlish. you speak Singlish, then no. you are kiasu. No. So, so you're right. The identifying factors are not simplistic. Right. Right. We don't have an a single icon or a single like word or a single like phrase say, oh okay that's it lah. that's our that's our national identity um, but to my mind it means that we have a fairly rich and complex national identity right if i tell you look look you know in my family the easiest way to start a fight is to argue about which hawker center has the best fill in the blank right right everybody knows exactly what i'm talking about right every i mean okay it's about food sure okay a very simplistic way of thinking about national identity mm. but it's also about our behavior as families surely right that Ooh. right so it's shared values and this is regardless of race language and religion every yeah. singaporean and i identifies with that so we don't have a simplistic reductionist national identity right mm. Neither do we have a mature national identity that's been around for like, you know, two, three hundred years. It's a young nation. Because we're a young nation. But we recognize each other. We recognize that we have things in common. We recognize a certain set of shared values and shared experiences. And then we say, not enough, eh? One more. <laughs> Which brings me to the unite pillar of forward oh, SGs. Yeah. I think I got that one in the bag. (laughs) (laughs) So that is exactly what we're trying to do in our Unite Pillar, right? It's part of Forward SG. We know that there is this this yearning to strengthen and deepen and identify that sense of national cohesion. How do we do it? Government can't do this on our own. We want people, Singaporeans, to contribute to this, to put life into that national pledge of one united people. 
And and how do you do this? How do you how do you grow that sense of national identity? Starting with the seeds that I just described and a thousand and one other different ideas, right? Deepen that sense of belonging. That this is my Singapore. This is our Singapore. This is a, a growth common Singapore. Mm. How do you then take that and say, well, we bond together as a people. That we have that sense of friendship with each other. And okay, yeah, some of it's negative, but it's okay. We complain together, right? But we we have a shared vision of where we want to go, and and then build that better society. Is there also a feeling that like Singaporeans are a bit more passive about such things, right? Like we kind of rely on maybe like formalized movement, like say for example, one people SG. Okay, let's rally together. We have this forward SG movement. Okay, now everyone can go and talk about this. But in our own like small circles and all that, right? Are we taking initiative? And is like, I think maybe a good example would be so recently there's this like a viral video on TikTok, right? That like uh, during Christmas there was like a young Singaporean couple that invited like people who felt lonely during Christmas to come to their house for pizza party. So after that, that actually ended up influencing like their friends or I think like some of the people that turned up for the party to start hosting their own parties for Chinese New Year. So that is kind of but that is so that feels to me far if you well, I mean, I don't think you can ask uh, every Singaporean to open up their home for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> but well, I mean, some some people may not have the means to do so, uh, yeah, right? And fair. you don't want to make them feel bad about it, or then yeah, say this is a responsibility. Um, it's something that some people can do, and those that can, well, maybe they want to be given the opportunity to do so. Mm. Uh, but I think whether are we active or are we passive? I think there's quite a lot of ground up stuff happening and one of the issues for Forward SG is how do you focus what should be our priorities so it's not to say these are the only things that we're going to do but these are the things that perhaps we need a priority on a national level these are the things that the government the ministries then need to perhaps think about how to structure things so that we can take the ground up initiatives and take them further Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean these are the only things that we do and I think a lot of other ground up initiatives will continue in parallel um, so I, I I don't necessarily agree that as a people that we're passive. I think when we when we say that it's a little bit like our uh, you know uh, <laughs> we have a we, we like want to overachieve right? I mean you 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 got an A grade you say you got A star grade or not right? Yeah. <laughs> so I, <laughs> it does feel that way. I mean I think I think actually we're fairly active um, in some of the work that I do with young people. I am constantly surprised at the willingness of young people to start up activities, startup movements, uh, mm. bring together student societies, uh, give of their time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still because they are young and they haven't been jaded by um, <laughs> <laughs> No, <laughs> by I agree. <laughs> no, well, but actually I feel like card games is quite, like people like to get into creating card games. That I think there was also like a small talk card game that people have started to also get these conversations going. So I think that's quite interesting. Well, card games and then, you know, kids will make YouTube videos, they'll make mm. podcasts, they'll, they want to yeah. get the awareness out there and they are very willing to go and organize events as well mm. just, just to get things going. So, I mean, we have tons of, of, of interest. Mm. Um, we have um, people who want to volunteer, they want to get involved and often actually our challenge is how do you curate so that where they apply themselves is going to have some impact curating and managing the enthusiasm that there is probably a, 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 a more important issue now rather than are we too passive. 
So once again, thank you to our partners for today's episode, Forward Singapore. And thank you very much, Dr. Janil, for joining us and sharing so many interesting insights. Thank so you. we hope that today's conversation has given you a better look into like what it means to be Singaporean and how to bond as Singaporeans. And I think like it's really very much about like what the everyday people like me and you can do, what me and you like invest our time in to talk about and to get interested in. So do check out the Forward SG website. We'll put it down in the description box and get involved in the conversations there. Thank you for watching. Like, share, subscribe, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye. Energy. Focal warm-ups. Dr. Janil. Hello. <laughs> <laughs>